0: hello and welcome to episode number 112 of the atlanta man podcast and i'm your host ryan rogers and i'm here once again my good friend evan evan how are you doing on this labor day night i guess you could say now how you doing
1: i'm doing fantastic man we're we're quickly approaching the best time of the year. Um, it's a little cool in the morning, a little warm in the afternoon, football is back. Um, playoff baseball's approaching, man. It's, it's, it's my favorite time of the year. I don't know about you, but, uh, yeah, good vibes all around.
0: It is awesome. My favorite time of the year. You guessed right. Um, yeah, starting to cool down outside. Finally, a little bit, I uh, had college football this weekend, which was uh, good to see for, uh, most fan bases, except for Georgia Tech fans. So, yeah, uh, like you said, though, good time of the year, playoff baseball coming up, NFL's a week away. But, yeah, we are going to start off with some baseball in this episode, and uh, the Braves had a pretty big week. You know, we previewed it last week, but, yeah, coming up, uh, Colorado, and then the big one out in L.A. in a four-game set. Um, We don't really have to talk much about the Colorado series because the Braves just kind of went in there and took care of business. Um, the one thing that I do think we should uh, talk a little bit on in uh, particular is Darius Vines in Game Three. He made his MLB debut and he pitched very well. Um, six innings pitched, two earned runs, five strikeouts, and uh, kind of led the Braves to uh, the sweep there in Colorado. So, yeah, I mean the Braves are a lot better than the Rockies. We know that, but still, uh, for Vines uh, to pitch this well in Coors of all places for your debut has got to be tough. And he pitched very well. So, uh, what would you think about his performance out there on? Wednesday yeah Wednesday
1: yeah absolutely um Braves versus Colorado this year has has been very one-sided um the Braves take the the season-long sweep and don't lose a game they don't drop a game to Colorado all year um you know really good stuff what you're supposed to do to these bad teams but but yeah Darius Vines, um huge huge start um you know super super tough environment here in Colorado for your first ever start um but but he looked really good um Six innings pitch, two earned runs, only had one walk, and, and respectable five Ks. Um, so yeah, he he really did his job, and you know he really uh, was called up to allow our um, rotation an extra day off, get Strider another day. Really, really set the the <clears throat> starting pitching up for the the Dodgers series, which um, you know we we see how it how it turned out. Um, it was a good decision, but yeah, Darius finds to to come up and. Um, you know just just plug in and, and produce man he was he was very good um you know i i definitely don't think this is the last we'll see of him um especially if they want to keep going with a six-man rotation kind of stretch the starters and, and give them some well-deserved rest um but yeah he looked fantastic
0: yeah he did Um he did already get sent down so we'll see how they uh handle that in the future but Yeah, I do think he's uh, probably going to be back up at some point in September, make a spot start, give a guy a day off, something like that. Um, The Braves do need a starter for tomorrow since they sent him down. So I think it'll probably be Soroka. We'll uh, see probably in the morning. But yeah, fifth starter spot just added a new member to its rotation with Vines. I think the Braves, they've set a franchise record this year with uh, starters. Kind of crazy for a team that's this good, but kind of makes them a little more scary in a sense that – the rotation has not been very stable all year. So yeah, shout to Darius Vines. Uh, cool to see him come up and uh, especially he's been, he's been hurt for a lot of the season. That's probably why he's only coming up now. Probably would have been up a little bit sooner with all the injuries we've had, but yeah, he looked good and uh, yeah, something to build on for sure. But yeah, uh, we could move on to the Dodgers now. Braves sweep Rockies. They went seven, 0 this year against them. Uh, yeah, not much more to say, but now we got a lot to say about this series. Uh, Braves-Dodgers, four games in L.A., one of the most hyped series of the year, getting all the national spotlight. Everyone was talking about this series, all four games, really. And game one did not disappoint at all. It was a doozy of a game, um, an almost kind of meltdown from the Braves in this one, but they do hang on to win eight to seven. And uh, I guess we can just fast forward to the top of the second inning, where really, Maybe the biggest firework of the entire season happened with Ronald Acuna joining, or not? I can't even say joining the thirty sixty club, creating the thirty sixty club with a grand slam to make it five to one off of Lancelin. Just absolutely crushed. I believe it was a four hundred and fifty something foot homer. Really, just a uh, like kind of a storybook way to get thirty sixty. You know, with this series that's been so hyped up him and Mookie in the MVP race and for Ronald to land his first blow in this series like this felt good. And, uh, yeah, it was just one of the best moments of the season. So what did you think? Cause I know we were both going crazy when this happened.
1: Yeah, this was by far, um, the moment of the season for me. Um, you know, Ronald being the superstar, he is my favorite player. Um, he, he couldn't have had a better day. Um, if you drew it up, so he ends up getting married uh, that morning, uh, kind of a low key mar- uh, you know, wedding and, and marriage and stuff. And then he goes out and hits a grand slam to join the 30 60 home run stolen base club. Like unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, this ball was launched, and um, no matter how you put it, the, the pitcher's reaction, he knew it was gone. The Freddy cam knew it was gone. I mean, this, this was his MVP moment right here. And, um, you know, going into the series, like Mookie, the betting odds in Vegas had really shifted. Um, Mookie was, was the favorite um, for the MVP race. And, you know, actually a few, I saw a few um like Bleacher Report have the Dodgers above the Braves in power rankings. So yeah, this was the most hyped up series of the year and to just come out in the second inning and, and, put a put a statement on it for Acuna was unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it was quite the start. And I mean, just the way it all played out, like it, it was just pretty amazing. I mean, uh, you know, and with the bottom of the second too, Spencer Strider struck out the side and I, I saw someone tweet that was their favorite Braves regular season ending ever <laughs> with those two things happening back to back. And yeah, they, they ended up getting six runs in the second there and it was just an awesome moment. Riley homered. Uh, pretty much right after him. Um, a batter later, so they really kept on adding on in that inning. And uh, yeah, at that point, looked like they were cruising six to one. Um, in the top of the fifth, they add another run to make it seven to one, and then that's where things started to get a little hairy. Uh, Spencer Strider had to start in this game, and I thought Strider was pretty good. Um, his line not fantastic. Uh, six innings pitched, four earned runs, but still had the nine strikeouts. Um, only had two walks, but the big blow was in the bottom of the fifth when he got Mookie with two outs. Really, really tough battle between the two guys. Three two count, and uh, Mookie, who, like we said, Ronald landed the first blow. That was because Mookie landed a couple more in this game. Hits um, an opposite field three run homer off of Strider to put the Dodgers uh within reach, make it seven to four. And uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like a bad pitch or anything by Strider. It was just one of those things where Mookie is the hottest man on earth. And when you're hot, you're hot sometimes. I, like, Mookie did not crush this ball at all. I believe it was under 100 miles an hour off the bat. He just kind of uh put it in the right spot, tip your hat. He's Mookie Betts. He's awesome. But uh, that, one, that one stung in the moment because it, it really breathed life back into this game for the, the Dodgers. Then, you know, just like for Strider because he was pitching so well. And with the Mookie-Ronald stuff, it was a huge moment for Mookie. And uh, he would have another moment later in this game. But, yeah, what would you think about that, Homer? Because in the moment I was like, ah, like, come on. Like, that was just such a damper uh, for the time being. So what were your thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, it was. It was. Um, but but that's what you want. Like, th- this is what the MLB wanted. Um, the, the top two players in the league are, are just going at it. Like, uh, it was unbelievable. Um, really, you know, as as much as I want to dislike Mookie, I can't. Like, oh, he's no. just unbelievable. Um, it, it just sucks. He's he's been on two really um, you know teams that I don't really like. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty unfortunate because I do like the guy. But um, yeah, this was this was a huge moment, and you know he was good all series long. Um, don't get me wrong. Um, other, I th- he had one bad game, I believe. But uh, other than that, man, he was really showing out, and like um, yeah, it, it's kind of what you just expected. Um, you know, he he's he's known for being clutch for being the guy, and so yeah, this was this was a shot to the shot to the heart for sure
0: yeah um but still Braves were definitely controlled the game they're up seven to four they score in the six make it eight to four and then here's where the bullpen got a little hairy on us uh Joe Jimenez gave up two homers in the seventh Michael Bush Dodgers rookie who has not been very good this year got him and then Mookie got him again and uh, this pitch to Mookie was a little worse from Jimenez It was just fast forward right down the middle and Mookie just gonna do that with it every time when he's this hot. Uh, and then AJ mentor, the eighth Max Muncie gets him for a home or two. And at this point, it's eight to seven and everyone's freaking out. <laughs> and uh, for good reason, um, just something about Dodger Stadium, it just never feels over. The Braves have really had not much success at all in uh, LA up until this series, really, over the past like five years. Um, but yeah, uh, they bring in Pierce Johnson to finish up the eighth. And that was like a real like playoff type move by snit uh, to pull mentor and bring in uh, Pierce Johnson for the righty righty there. Um, I know mentor didn't look sharp, but I think uh, any other game like for the rest of the season, he just leaves mentor in and just doesn't finish the inning, but he brought in the matchup Pierce Johnson struck out of med Rosario and uh, we head to the ninth. Braves could not add any insurance runs. So it was uh rice or for the third day in a row. Which I, I know these games are big, but I did not love that at this point in the season. I know this game felt like a playoff game, but it wasn't. <laughs> um, I just don't. Lo- I don't think. I don't think he'll pitch two days in a row for the rest of the season. I think this will be the last time until the playoffs he does this. But you know, it made it even more questionable with uh, the last game in Colorado with a four-run lead. They used him in the ninth. So yeah. I think a lot of a lot of people were anticipating him to be down, but nope, he comes in. Uh. He gets Mookie to fly out to the warning track, which was a bit scary, but got him. Uh, Ronald caught that one. And, oh, we didn't even mention that Ronald almost robbed Mookie of the Homer off Shrider too. which that, if that would have happened, then good Lord, uh, things would have really, really popped off. Um, But that didn't happen. Had at least mentioned that. But uh, then he walks Freddie and gives up a single to Will Smith. And that brings up Max Muncy. And Max Muncy hit one of the scariest fly balls I've ever seen in my life. Um, off the bat, it looked like he got it. Uh, but then you could see by his reaction, he just looked at his bat and disgust and slammed it down. Knew he got it off the end of the bat a little bit. Ronald catches it. And uh yeah, and then the glaciers gets the next guy to strike out and the game's over. And the Braves somehow win in a game that it seemed like they were gonna lose um eight to seven. So yeah, what were your thoughts with that ninth inning there? Cause had the blood pressure high for sure. Felt like a playoff game. And this just kind of felt like one that uh the Dodgers were about to send out the final blow and walk this thing off.
1: Yeah, I was, I was unwell. Um, this was, <laughs> you know, a work night and I stayed up late, even though we went up seven, one, I was like, you know, I'll, 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 enjoy this game. I'll enjoy this beating. Um, and, but yeah, the, the Dodgers Dodgers just slowly crept back in it. And like, I don't know, like what it is. I don't know if it's the PA announcer in Los Angeles or, you know, just the super loud crowd there, but, I'm never comfortable. I'm never comfortable watching uh, the Braves play the Dodgers. Um, But yeah, Max Muncie in in the ninth inning, he hit a, you know, every time he comes up, I just expect him to hit a bomb. I don't know. You know, he's kind of like Kyle Schwarber where he's barely batting over 200, but he's still going to have, you know, 35 to 40 home runs. Um, It just is what it is. And he scares the hell out of me. And, you know, this fly ball was not the only one of the series that I thought he absolutely crushed. So, Um. Yeah, for that ball to stay in the park, it it was you know really good feeling. Um, almost let it slip away, but still got the dub.
0: Yeah. It uh. It was nice. It was a real real relief when um, when Iglesias struck out. Kike Hernandez in the game. I was like, oh, they won. Like I was just so waiting for like I like when Kike came. I was like, oh, he should just hit a ball down the line. And both runs of score games over. Like I was just waiting ready for a double from him. Kind of caught me off guard a little bit because I was really uh really uh pessimistic about winning this game. But you know, it seems like these Braves might be different this year. I mean, I know they were different a couple years ago, but uh they seem to be really different this year. So we can move on to game two now, which this one uh got a little antsy towards the end, not as much as game one, but uh so some very funky stuff happened later on, which we'll get to in a second. But Braves go up six to nothing in this game. Um, Ronald hit another homer. Uh, so first two games hit a homer. Uh, spoiler alert: hit another one in game three. Um, Ozuna homers, Darno homers, and the Braves just all over Julio Arias early. Who, by the way, got arrested today, or last night rather for uh, some domestic violence issues the second time that's happened. So that is uh, not good for the Dodgers and their postseason formula. So at least had to mention that. Um, but uh, yeah, the Braves are all over him in this one. And uh, yeah, things things were really fine um, heading into the bottom of the eighth. Six to nothing, Braves were up. And then Dave Roberts makes a pretty interesting decision to pull Mookie, Freddie, and Max Muncy. It was six to nothing in the eighth, but like still, like you just don't really see that, especially with like what happened the night before, first of all, with the Dodgers almost coming back. And, you know, these games, they like have some significance. I know they're not a uh, life or death for either of these teams, but, you know, the one seed's on the line here. And, um, you know, it ends up being really funny because uh, Pierce Johnson comes in to pitch the eighth. He puts two runners on, including, um, well, Yeah, yeah, he puts two runners on. And then Colton Wong, who is making his Dodgers debut, pinch hitting for Freddie Freeman, hits a three run homer on a 0 2 slider that almost hit the ground. And that was just one of those, like, okay, man, like, what is, like, what are we doing here moments? Like, how is this happening? Because Colton Wong got cut by the Mariners at the trade deadline because with Seattle this year, he had a 33 OPS plus. So it was just kind of the one of those "what the hell is going on" moments. Like, Pierce Johnson had him set up, O oh two. He's a terrible hitter, and everybody's already making fun of him because he's pinching for Freddie Freeman, and he just golfs the ball for a three run homer, and that that put a little fear in my heart for sure. I don't know about you, but uh, yeah, what'd you think about just that whole sequence with D- Dave Roberts pulling them, and then Colton Wong and all the craziness kind of that went on with that?
1: Yeah. Um... If, if Colton Wong doesn't hit a home run, Dave Roberts looks like the biggest idiot on earth pulling <laughs> your top two players. Um, you, you can't just like, you can't just pull the plug and, and you know, I, I understand throwing in a, a, a bottom tier reliever. That's going to eat up some innings, but your offense has been doing it all year long and you cannot, you cannot do that. You cannot just show that you're giving up. I, I, I didn't understand it at all. Works out for them, I guess. Um, yeah, but yeah, this, this <laughs> galaxy was a little,
0: brain moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, like he looked like a genius, um, <laughs> and really, it was just I didn't understand it. I mean, six nothing is—it's a little bit of a deficit, but I mean, these guys can score six. I mean, I mean they almost came back yeah. the night before. So,
0: and it's uh, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and Max Muncie. Like these guys can string together some stuff, and you can get back in this game. Um, Yeah, it was definitely odd. I've I like, I, like I can't believe. Like, I feel like if the Braves try to do this to Freddie Freeman, like, we know how Freddie was about playing every single day and in every inning, and he still kind of is like that with the Dodgers, but like, that just seems like so not Freddie Freeman to allow that. Cause I feel like if Freddie wants to veto that, he's staying in the game. He's Freddie Freeman. So that's just, that was just that was a weird part of it, too. Um, but yeah, that I just had to had to mention that cause when Colmong hit the home, I was like, oh, we're, we might lose this one actually. <laughs> but, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs>
1: Yeah. Like yeah. when Colton Wong hit the home run, they put the camera right on Freddie. Cause that's the guy that subbed in for him. And you know, Freddie was up and happy and like, yeah, like, <laughs> like if he, if he strikes out on three pitches, they throw the camera on Freddie. What, what does, what does Freddie do? Is he, is he like screaming or, or is he just
0: leave I the know. stadium?
1: I don't know what he does. Um, I, I wish that would have happened because <laughs> um that would have been hilarious. But, but yeah, it turns out, you know, we still hold on. So that was really good. Um. Yeah, Pierce Johnson, he's 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 looked kind of rough as of late.
0: Yeah, like it wasn't the worst pitch ever. Like it was a pretty good curveball for no 2 count. And uh yeah. like I guess Wong's just all over it. And like they were like you have three hits that inning and they were just sitting back on the curveball, which that's yeah, that's not good for postseason baseball purposes if a team can just sit back on that curveball. And it wasn't as sharp as usual. But I mean we've seen it when his curveball sharp, it's a great pitch, but it just it wasn't it didn't have the same bend to it. Um on Saturday or Friday night. But, uh, yeah, other, other thing of this game, Max Freed was fantastic. And uh, you might hear about him later. So we'll save we'll save his outing for later. But, uh, yeah, Braves win game two, six to 6-3, another nice win. And uh, game three might have been – I don't know if this was more crazy than game one, but this one was up there. This was quite the game two, a real pitcher's duel in this one as uh, both teams scored one run in the third inning and didn't score any until the 10th as a uh, Bryce elder uh, took on Emmett Sheehan, who was a little spot starter rookie for the Dodgers. He pitched pretty well and then the Dodgers bullpen pitched great until the 10th, but uh, let's talk about elder for a little bit. Cause I know me and you were kind of uh, not, uh, not anticipating a good start from him um, coming into this game. I think we just felt that uh, vibes were a little off, I guess uh, things were going too well and elder might be in for a rude awakening, but, he pitches very well. Six innings pitched, one earned run. I uh, did walk four guys, which you don't love to see that. Um, but he had four strikeouts. Um, yeah, the one thing was just the walks, but he's able to work around those. And uh, six innings, one earned run against the Dodgers. You take that every day. So what'd you think about Elder?
1: Yeah, we were texting back and forth. Uh, we were like saying our predictions and stuff. And um, I don't know, something felt kind of like a night where we were gonna get destroyed. I don't know. We mm-hmm. we, we were just due for one of those. Um, But it didn't count. Elder was fantastic. Um, Sheehan was really, really impressive. Like, he had everyone off off the balance. Um, And, and, you know. Except for Ronnie. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) except for Ronnie. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, his changeup was disgusting. Um, He really just limited us um, and and really did his job. Um, You know, he had no offense behind him. So, um, you know, I think he was impressive. But Elder on the other side, he had four walks. But um, he was able to work around him, and and get out of some jams. Um, yeah, he was good. He was really good. And, you know, credit to the bullpen, four scoreless, um, just fantastic stuff.
0: Yeah. And uh, he also had a pretty crazy strike three called a Mookie that got him out of a jam. Uh, that was just yeah. such a bad call, but we take it. <laughs> um, and that's why you have Sean Murphy on your team, because he can put that ball in the strike zone and trick the old man umpire. He's the best at that. So um, yeah, like you said, elder was good. Bullpen was really good. And uh, now let's talk about Ronald's homer in the third inning. Yes. First of all, it was the hardest ball hit this year at 121.2 miles an hour. It was a homer to dead center over 450 feet. Um, it is the third hardest hit home run in the stat cast era, which is since 2015, only John Carlos Stanton has uh, homers hit harder than that. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of you, but they're like it was a couple of decimals ahead, like one twenty one point seven, and one twenty two point something. Um, it's like a top five hardest hit ball in the Statcast era. I know last year O'Neill Cruz set the record against the Braves off a of Kyle Wright. He had a one hundred twenty two point eight mile an hour double off the wall. So yeah, this is one of the hardest hit baseballs ever uh, from Ronald. Here it was his third homer in uh, his third straight game and yeah, put the Braves on the board and just a pretty crazy Homer uh, from him. And that was really the only offense until the 10th, which we can do a second. But uh, yeah, what'd you think about that? Cause when I saw the graphic pop up saying one twenty one, I was like, Oh my God. Cause I know the, the, the record for this season was Matt Olson. He had the, the hardest hit one for earlier in the year and he just shared it. So what'd you think about this Homer?
1: Yeah. Um, that was crushed. Uh, That's not understanding. That was a line drive, four hundred and fifty-four feet. There was no arc on it. It was just, it was just nuked. Um, and Ronald, Ronald hits the ball so hard, and and you know, ground balls, uh, line drive. I mean, he hits the ball so hard, and it it really just puts it in perspective when you watch, um, another angle of the home run, like a fan view. I mean, this ball was sent into orbit, like just absolutely crushed super impressive um and yeah that i mean there there's not much else you can say three home runs three home runs in a row um in primetime television against you know second best team in the league this was just just mvp showing up and and telling telling the world that he's the man and um yeah you know, just super impressed with ronald honestly
0: Yeah, it was a 3-0 count and a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, and he did not miss it one bit. And, uh, yeah, like I said, that was the only offense for the Braves until the 10th. The Dodgers got a run in the third uh, to tie the game up. And, uh, yeah, nothing until the 10th. But in the 10th with the ghost runner, the Braves get another base runner in front of uh, Orlando Arcia, And Alex Vecilla just throws him a fast right down the middle, and Arcia talk about crushable, not not as much as Ronald, but he crushed this one. Three run homer and uh it's like the Braves did it again, <laughs> like uh pulled one out, probably the most dramatic one of the series, um, as far as uh just the late heroics, but yeah, it, it didn't look like they were gonna score with two outs, and then Arcia just comes through clutch, and you know, it was just one of those moments where you just think like damn, this team is just so good, <laughs> and they have found ways to win all year, and uh you know, to take the first three against the Dodgers was a uh, pretty good feeling. So what you think about our seal Homer? Because talk about one of the moments of the year. That's up there too.
1: Yeah. So from the third inning until the tenth inning, when we had our ghost runner, we did not have another base runner. Yeah. Like it was down. It was slow for the offense, and um, you know, it it was just only a matter of time, and 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 someone pulled through. I think um, I think I heard a stat on the broadcast the other day, and they said that the Braves have. 50% of the runs come from home runs, and that's just absurd. Um, they're hitting home runs at a rate that I've never seen in my life. Um, and and Arcia was just clutch. He's been doing it all year. He's clutch. Um, yeah, this ball was crushed. One, top, At least a top five moment of the year. Um, you know, to have, have those back-to-back almost in the series with Ronald's grand slam, um, the 454, 121-mile-an-hour home run, and then Arcia, um, just unbelievable, just clip after clip coming out, um, so clutch. And, and, and you felt super comfortable uh, heading to the bottom of the ninth – I'm sorry, the bottom of the tenth with, uh, with a three-run lead. Um, you, know, you know, Iglesias had a day off, so you knew he was probably going to be good to go. Um, but, yeah, um, this was so clutch.
0: Yeah, it was, it was an awesome moment. Uh, Arceus had a few of these this year. I know he had the one against the Mets to tie the game up in that crazy game. He had one in Texas in the ninth inning, so he's uh no stranger to this. Um, low heartbeat guy, some would say, but uh, yeah, shout out to the bullpen, too. Jimenez, uh, mentor walked a couple guys, got out of the jam, so good on him. And talking, he came and pitched the bottom of the ninth and uh went one, two, three to four sectors. and then uh, Iglesias gave up the ghost runner, but doesn't count towards ERA or nothing um, and gives up nothing else. So bullpen was great. Elder was great. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Orlando Arcia. He is having a pretty pretty crazy season for for that guy. And uh, he's just a little bonus piece for this team. And a lot of teams, he's uh, their five-hole hitter, and he's about an eighth. So kind of puts it in perspective. But, uh, yeah, we can move on to game four. Uh, the Braves finally lost one in this series. Um Definitely a winnable game, a close one. They lose three to one. Uh, they just kind of got shut down on this one. Bobby Miller, the rookie, was pretty filthy in this game. Um, you know, He does triple digits, got to get slider, uh, Went seven innings pitch, one earned run, five strikeouts. Uh, the one run was uh, pretty notable. It was in the in the seventh. And Matt Olsen finally hit a home run again. It was his first home run in 18 games, which – uh. You know, after the the stretch he was on where he hit his last homer, if you would have told me he would go 18 games without hitting a homer this year, I wouldn't have believed you because it just seemed like he was just going to be on fire forever. He's going through a bit of a skid right now. He hasn't been completely terrible. You know, he still, um, you know, had some other hits, hit some doubles, base hits, and still walking a lot, but he had hit a homer, and he finally got one um, off of Miller. That was good to see. Put the Braves right into the game, though, made it 2-1, to one. Um, but they give up a run in uh, the bottom of the eighth to make a three to one. And yeah, Braves just couldn't do much offensively in this game, which that's fine. <laughs> I mean, they like, they were, like we said, we said they were due for an ass whooping. They didn't get their ass whooped. They lost three to one. Um, and, you know, kind of just a normal fine loss, you know, nothing bad about it. You still take three out of four against the Dodgers on the road. Take that every time. I guess the one big negative in this game was Morton was not very good. Uh, four innings pitch, two earned runs with uh, three walks, only three strikeouts, through 90 pitches over the four innings. So that wasn't good, but, you know, it's whatever. You just kind of shrug your shoulders. Who really cares at this point? Because when they won game three, they won the season series, so they have the tiebreaker over the Dodgers now, too. So, yeah. Do you have any hot takes about game four? Are the Braves bad?
1: Um. Yeah, I, th- I think we we should be very concerned about this team. Um, <laughs> only only putting up one run. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, this game was kind of a – uh, Sunday blues, let's get home kind of game. Yeah. Um, long road trip. Um 10th game in a row like these guys were just beat, you could tell. Um we'll take it. We'll take. We'll take 3 out of 4 every day.
0: Every time. yeah, every single time.
1: You know, the Braves had more wins like in LA this weekend than they did over the past 12 regular season games or 3rd thir- I'm sorry. 14 regular season games. They they were two and they were two and ten in the last twelve games in LA.
0: Yeah, they um, I I remember when they finally won a game in twenty twenty one in the NLCS against them, and that was their first win in Dodger Stadium since twenty eighteen at the time. So that just kind of shows how crazy it's been. Um, yeah, I think like the, I think the moment, someone went back even further, and I think over the past twenty five, the Dodgers were twenty and five against the Braves in Dodger Stadium up until this series. So, yeah, it has been a house of horrors for the Braves. And, uh, you know, to finally come in there and exercise some demons a little bit was really nice. And they had to take three out of four to get the season series. So right now the Braves have a six-game lead in the standings, but it's really a seven-game lead because they have the tiebreaker. So it's pretty important to get three. Um, I say the one seed is pretty secure at this point um, after this. So – yeah, it was just an awesome series and an awesome road trip too. I mean, going eight and two on a West Coast trip when you play, I know you played the Rockies in between, but the Giants and Dodgers, who are two good teams. I mean, that's that's great. I think that's the best uh West Coast trip I remember the Braves having in forever. Eight and two. They've really been bad on West Coast trips, even since they've been good. And I mean, pretty all East Coast teams kind of struggle with it, but the Braves really have. So yeah, eight and two is awesome. You know, yeah, just yeah. just the whole trip yeah. the trip as a whole is incredible.
1: Amazing, Darius, Vines, Acuna, um, Iglesias being elite, like unbelievably good NL reliever of the week. Um, yeah, to to get that tiebreaker against LA is huge. Um, yeah, couldn't couldn't have done it any better than that, man. Just fantastic road trip for the guys.
0: Yep. Um, one more thing about the Braves. Before we move on to uh, the Falcons preview. Is uh, Dylan Lee pitching this game, which is important. Um, he came in right after Morton and he looked good. He shook out Max Muncy, which I kind of circled that. Like that was like, that's kind of his role. Fifth inning of a playoff game with a lefty like Muncy, like that's the guy he needs to get out and he struck him out. So circle that Dylan Lee is back. He only pitched one inning. So I think they're trying to ease him back in, but he is supposed to be a multi-inning reliever now. They got him stretched out for that. So that's something to watch for as he was the, uh, one of the September call-ups him and force wall are back with the team now. So uh Yeah, we'll see some more Leavers coming back on the team soon. Kyle Wright should be back soon. All that good stuff. The Braves are 90-46. and 46. They can go, what, 10-16 and 16 the rest of the way and still win 100 games. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think they're going to blow past 100. They have a I think they're on pace for 107, which would be one better than the uh, franchise record of 106. So, yeah, they're up 15 games in the Phillies. Uh, magic number is 12. It's magic number season. So they can, I mean, they're going to clinch the division pretty soon. Like I think in two episodes, they might've had it clinched. It depends on how well the Phillies play, but the Braves are going to have some time to get their affairs in order f- before the playoffs. That's for sure. So uh, yeah, we can move on to the dirty birds as it is football season. Officially first NFL game is this Thursday and uh, less than a week from now, the Falcons, We'll be playing meaningful football games against the Carolina Panthers. And we're about to break down the 2023 Super Bowl champions. So Evan, I know, I think I know your answer to this, but do you think that they're going to win the NFC South this year?
1: They are, they are. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think they take, I think they take a pretty, uh, a pretty big leap this year. I'm going to go ahead and and say the record. I think they're going to have, um, they're gonna go eleven and six. Ooh, we're gonna go eleven and six. They're gonna win the division, and we are gonna be back in the postseason.
0: I love it. I love the optimism. I really do. I I also think that they're gonna win the NFC South. I agree with you on that. Um, their over under for wins is eight and a half. I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to say, and this is a this is about as bold as you can get with a record prediction. I'm going to go on a limb and say this is more bold than your 11 and six record prediction, because the Falcons are going to go nine seven and one this year. Oh. They're going oh. to tie. They're going to tie with one of the division games. Either it's going to be Bucks, Panthers, or Saints. They're going to tie one of those games. They're going to nine seven and one and win the division. That is my uh, official prediction for the team. Um, I don't know which one it's going to be between saints bucks and uh panthers maybe saints because they're probably uh their biggest threat i would say
1: in the division but whoever we play on thursday night football will be a tie oh who do we play on thursday night football do we have one <laughs> i just i just have a feeling that we, we have a thursday night and it's going to be a a shit show but uh i could be wrong
0: oh no we don't because you know what our, our one primetime game you know what it is it's the the 9 30 london game <laughs> So yeah, yes. they do not play um, any Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night football unless they get flex. which I mean, if they end up being good, they could get flex towards the end of the season. So you can look out for that. But uh, yeah, that's such your primetime game. 930 a.m. on October 1st against the Jaguars. <laughs> now, maybe that might be the tie, actually. Actually, that one could be the tie, too. So there's seven <laughs> options for the tie. Two against the Saints, two against the Bucks, two against the Panthers, and the one game against Jacksonville. Those are the options. So yeah, I got nine, seven, and one. Um, but yeah, I'm being serious with the record prediction. I do think that's going to happen. Just got a weird feeling about this team. They're not. I don't think they're going to be as awesome as eleven and six. Uh, they could be. They have the potential to do that for sure. So yeah. But what what is really standing out to you? Who do you think is just going to be like the team's MVP? Who do you think is going to be the best player on the Falcons this year? That's going to Turn the ship around and make them the playoff team again?
1: Um, yeah, that's kind of a two headed question. I think, you know, best player versus most valuable player um yeah. is, is a separate category. Um, I will say the most valuable player on this team this year is gonna be Desmond Ritter. Um, he has to take care of the ball. That is his job. Don't turn the ball over. Um, I think I think the run game is gonna be very good. I think <clears throat> as long as you have the threat. Um, of of a deep ball here and there, and and hitting some 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 like slants, and and you know converting on third downs. I think I think as long as Ritter can do that and and have the threat of the pass, that the run game will be plenty to carry us. Um, you know we we kind of saw that with Arthur Smith's offenses in Tennessee um, for years with Derrick Henry and and Tannehill. Tannehill never really scared you as a passer, but. You know, he, he he was very liable to to hit a deep shot, um, you know, here and there and, and use his arm to beat you. So um I think a lot of it's game management for Ritter. Stay up, stay in it, and take care of the ball. So that's my pick for most valuable player.
0: Okay. That's a respectable pick. Uh Ritter has to be good. That is kind of the one one thing that has to happen with this team is Desmond Ritter um at least being competent. Uh, they, they have to, yeah, they have to have that, Uh, you know, for my MVP. I don't know. There's some options for sure, but I'm just going to, this one's a bit chalky. I'm going to say it's B. John Robinson. I think uh he's just going to be such a problem for opposing defenses that if the Falcons end up not having him or if they don't have them for any reason, it is going to be the biggest loss. So I think that makes him the most valuable player on this team. Um, you'll still have to predict that with a rookie, but you know we really haven't seen a rookie running back with this much hype in a while. I guess since Saquon, um, and he's such a dual threat with uh, the pass catching ability too. And you know that could just be a huge factor for Ritter, just having a dump off guy that can get so many yards after the catch. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Bijan. I think uh, you know he's going to be a huge part of this team. They drafted him to be a huge part of this team this year. It was a very much a win now draft pick. We talked about that at the time when they took him at eight. Um, So yeah, I'm gonna go Bijan. I'm gonna go Bijan. Um, So yeah, those are MVPs, Ritter and Bijan, you know, two pretty much rookies. Ritter's still kind of a rookie in my mind. Um, Last year, you know, kind of just kind of getting his feet wet. But uh, yeah. So who do you, here's another question. Who do you think is, uh, the team's um X factor a guy that needs to improve a lot to um, make this team the contender we think they can be like who who needs to take a step forward we could call this the DeAndre Hunter player for the Falcons who like a guy that just needs to be good for them to be good who do you think it is
1: I think um I think this kind of goes hand in hand but with the defensive line um being better constructed, and, you know, getting a little bit more pressure on the QB, I think AJ Terrell is my mm. pick um for a guy that that is going to take a leap, for a guy that's, you know, kind of the X factor um of the defense. We know Okuda's a little banged up right now. So for at least the first couple weeks, um, you know, Terrell's gotta, you know, step up. Obviously he'll be covering the number one every week. Um, you know, he 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 needs to be the guy. He needs to be the man that that just steps up and hey, look, I got, you know. I got D hop this week. I got AJ Brown this week. He needs yeah. to be the guy to step up and, and say that, um, you know, I, th- I think he's going to be very good. You know, now that we've got some threats up front, um, you know, I, I think he'll, 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 just be a lockdown defender and um, you know, rookie year, he was fantastic. Uh, last year he was good, but you know, we were kind of missing that um, pressure from the front. Yeah. And so, it's really hard to guard guys when, you know, you, you, you got five seconds to pass every time. So um, my pick is A.J. Terrell.
0: That is a good one. Yeah, Terrell, I mean, he did take a slight step backwards last year, statistically uh, speaking. But you're right. You know, the Falcons couldn't get any pressure last year. And you uh, know they historically really haven't been able to get much pressure. So, yeah, with, um you know, with quarterbacks having less time to make a decision, maybe make some bad decisions, A.J. Terrell might rack up some picks, some deflections, you know, and just become the lockdown guy again. Because, you know, coming in last year, it seemed like he was just on a fast track to be, you know, maybe the best corner in the league. And, uh, you know, maybe he can get back on track with that. And I do think he's going to be good. He's going to have – I won't say bounce back because he wasn't bad last year, but I do think he's going to be better for sure. Um, you know, for my, for my guy that I think can really just open things up for this team, I'll go back to the offensive side of the ball – No surprise here. It's Kyle Pitts. He is a freak athlete. You know, I don't want to, like, he hasn't got, like, a a bad shake, um, so to speak, so far. He just kind of dealt with some things, um, injury-wise, last year especially. And, um, you know, he did kind of get a bad shake last year because Marcus Mariota was throwing to him. And uh, I believe that, like, Mariota targeted him um, 50-some-odd times. And I believe over 20 of them were deemed uncatchable passes so you know some of this is on Ritter too it's kind of uh they're kind of in tandem here Ritter has to get the ball in his you know area and you know he can he can go and get it like he can get balls that are thrown behind him in front of him putting in an extra gear to get a ball that's a little bit in front of him so you know middle of the field threat Kyle Pitts he could he could be that easily and uh you know him with a full season under his belt this year after the injury last year I think that could be huge and you know this is a guy we took number four overall the highest the highest drafted tight end ever so um you know I, I think uh with him taking a huge step forward and being you know maybe this team's number one option you know maybe not many teams have our tight ends number one option except for the Chiefs really if he could do that you know maybe even Drake London too but that would just be massive. So what do you think about old Kyle Pitts?
1: Yeah I really like the pick. Um big expectations for him um you know, being drafted number four overall is is a big deal, and you know, in 27 career games, he's only has three touchdowns. So, yeah, um, yeah his problem, you know, his his main priority is staying on the field. You know, stay healthy, um, and, and be that safety net for Ritter. He needs a comfortable target that he trusts. Um, you know, when 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 they're playing soft soft zone, he needs to find uh, soft spots in the defense, um, to kind of chill and 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 be the guy that that Ritter has the most trust in. Um, you know, we, we, we got London and Hollins, um, and, and Scotty for the you know, deep ball and the slot threads and stuff, but we really need a guy that can just you know, shoot up the middle, be a big target. And, um, you know, hopefully I, I really want to see more red zone targets for him. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we know with Mariota, it, it, he wasn't getting good balls thrown toward him, towards him. And, um, you know, he's been double covered for the past two years because we have nobody out there. So, um. You know, re- really looking forward to a big year for him, and uh, you know, I expect that.
0: Yeah, I I am too. He's on my fantasy team, so it's even more incentive for him to be good for me personally. But uh, yeah, I uh, I think if these guys like if they can just stay healthy and take a leap, but just they've gone skill position in the top ten in the draft three years in a row, and if those guys can click, Pitts, London, Bijan, that's just a lot a lot to have to juggle as a defense and it can cause a lot of issues and open up so much stuff for not only themselves, but other guys, like you mentioned, Matt Collins, Scotty Miller, even Johnny Smith who um, has had some success catching balls for Arthur Smith before. So, and we haven't even talked about Cordero Patterson, who was ultimate Swiss army knife guy and Tyler uh, Tali who could get some real opportunities in short down situations. So, you know, the, this offense, the ceiling is very high. It's very high. I, the floor, though, it could be pretty low, too. It's kind of the thing. It could be very volatile. Um, but I do anticipate them to be a good unit. Um, yeah, like with the high zone, they could be a top five offense, you know, if things click. But, you know, if guys aren't healthy or don't perform to their expectations, you know, we could be looking at a below average offense, you know, if things things don't go our way. So that's kind of what makes this season exciting coming up is see how these guys look. Um So, yeah, one thing thing for sure about the offense that doesn't have a ton of volatility is the offensive line. Um, You know, they locked up Chris Lindstrom this offseason. Jake Matthews, he's been a staple with us for years. Caleb McGarry's back. They got Drew Dahlman and Matthew Bergeron, too. Um, So I think the offensive line is going to be pretty good. Um, I don't know about you. Any any thoughts on the O-line real quick before we talk about the defense a little bit more?
1: Yeah, we know how good they were um, run blocking last year um, with the acquisition of Bergeron and another – of a draft pick, like you said. Um, I'm really, really hoping this offense can pass block better. Um, yeah, so Give Ritter time, make him feel comfortable in the pocket, and that will open up everything. Um, you know, the run blocking's is there. Um, you know, McGarry. Um, God, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Matthews. Yeah, we, we know those guys can run block, but can they pass, pass block? That's the biggest question of the year. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to be very solid. I mean, last year they were great run blocking. And, um, yeah, if they can take that step, too, and protect Ritter, give him some time to throw, that could help Ritter a lot, too. So, you know, this like the office has a ton of potential. It really does. Um, Defensively, um, I think it's a solid unit for sure. We've talked about uh, A.J. Terrell a little bit now. Um, But the the front-line guys I want to talk about, too, they got Kalyas Campbell coming in, uh, the veteran, put him alongside Grady Jarrett. Um, David Onyemata is on the team now as a nose tackle. We got him from the Saints. And, uh, you know, they made a lot of moves with this defense this offseason. Um, Campbell, Onyemeta, Caden Nellis, um, Jeff Okuda, Jesse Bates. We haven't talked about Jesse Bates at all yet, you know, who was the biggest free agent acquisition of the offseason. Um, so, yeah, what do you think about this defense? Because I think secondary has a ton of potential. You know, you got um, kind of bought low on Jeff Okuda, who was the number three overall pick and one of the best – Cornerback prospects really ever coming out of college, um, you know he is a little banged up like you said, but nothing serious. He's going to be playing a majority of the games once he's right. Get AJ Terrell who has shown how good he can be. Jesse Bates has been great for the Bengals the past few years. And Then you get some real veteran presence on the defensive line. So what what do you think about this unit?
1: Yeah, I think I think we did solid work um, plugging in some holes. Um, nothing too overwhelming. I think um, I think as as we definitely beefed up on the front line. Um, our front line looks big and they look athletic. Um, so you know, hoping, you know, really Grady Jarrett's been needing help for years. Um, uh-huh. you know, ever since the Super Bowl year, he had he's been the only guy. So he's been double teamed. So I think that'll open up a lot of things for him up the middle on the edge too. You got Kayden Ellis, linebacker, Carter returning. Um, you know, and then in, in the secondary, we reloaded Jesse Bates, Okuda. So, um, you know, I, I think as a whole unit, we look really good. Mike Hughes, cornerback. Um, yeah, we look we look really good. And and like I said, your defensive line will help your secondary uh, by getting some pressure on the QBs. Um I don't think we'll be a, a, a super sack uh, heavy team. Um I think I think a lot of it's gonna be plugging holes and, and stopping the run and and you know getting getting some pressure, but um I, I, I don't think you have that one guy that's gonna hit ten sacks or anything. I think this is more mm-hmm. of a unit defense. Yeah. Um and, and, and that's fine. Um if everybody does the role, things should work out. And uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the one um uh position group to really keep an eye on is the linebackers. Um they got Troy Anderson who is a young guy uh who he uh, drafted last year coming to his second year. See what he's got. Um Caden Ellis was one of the free agent acquisitions. You know he's never been a absolute baller um as a as a linebacker he's definitely been you know solid at times but he's not a star by any means and he got bud dupree too so i think out of you know the line the secondary all, all the position groups i think the linebackers probably have the most to prove for sure um so yeah that's kind of what i want to circle because um yeah i think if they could be good i mean I, I i really like the line like you said they're not gonna you know rack up a ton of sacks um i don't think but i think they're just solid as a whole like Calias campbell i mean that guy's, you know, he's not as good as he once was, but he's still very solid, and he's pretty consistently healthy too. We know how good Grady Jarrett is. I love the Anya Meta signing when it happened, um, and Ebiketti too. He's a young guy that can take another step. So, you know, with the, with these linebackers and um the front guys, I think there's some potential. And uh, yeah, secondary too. I think um those guys could really ball out. I think yeah, Jeff Okuda, if he could. He could become the guy that uh, we we thought he might be. That would just be um a huge lift, and he he doesn't have to be that good because people thought he was going to be, Champ Ailey. <laughs> so we'll uh we'll 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 see about him. Um, but yeah, I think uh as opposed to the offense, this defense has more of a high floor, I think, than the offense. You know, it's not like a super high floor. It's not like they have a uh crazy unit like some teams do. But you know, I think there's a little less volatility here than the offense, if that makes sense. Um. But I also think the ceiling is not as high for the defense as the offense. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, just look at this depth chart in the roster on paper, man. They look good. <laughs>
1: they do. They do. Yeah. They got some names now, and and yeah. you recognize them. And so that's just comforting to see, you know, just looking at it, you know.
0: Yeah. It's just, yeah, like looking at the offense, it's just Ritter, man. Ritter's got to be good. <laughs> yes. And, you know, all the reports out of camp and preseason were good. So, you know, that's camp preseason at the end of the day. So he's got to perform, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 he's, he's gotta be good. (laughs) He's the quarterback, you know? So, uh, we are going to see, we are going to see, do you have any, uh, Falcons takes you off your chest before we go into our, uh, first ever awards we're giving on this podcast or own designated awards for the week?
1: Yeah, let's do a, let's do a bold prediction each. So, um, Aside from my eleven and six bold prediction uh, for our record, and my tie,
0: and my tie, well, we and what your tie. <laughs> um,
1: let's let's do a bold prediction. Let's so let's see. Um, I want to say Bijan, but I'm gonna say that both Cal Pitts and Drake London exceed a thousand yards receiving, mm. and Cal Pitts will have more than five touchdowns this year.
0: Okay. I like that. I love that for my fantasy team with the Cowpits touchdowns. You know, he's only got three career, right? Two or three, whatever it is. Not a lot. One of them was in London. Um, so yeah, that's a good one. I think, uh, you know, it is bold, but I do think it's definitely possible. Um, Let's see for mine. Hmm, bold prediction. Let me see. Let me see. All right. I'm going to say that uh, the trio of Bijan, Algier, and Cordero, they will have the most yards per rush in the NFL on average between the three of them. I think they have a pretty good mix of uh different types of backs with those three. Um, Bijan and Cordero are more similar than either of them are with Algier, obviously, but Bijan teaches kind of his own animal. Same thing with Cordero, a little bit older, but – you know, he's, he can line up as a wideout, too. That doesn't really go into my running back take here. But, you know, he's a, he's a guy that can do it all. And then Algier, I think, he, with those short yardage situations, I think we're going to see a lot. There's going to be a few plays this year where uh, they bring in Algier for second and second and one, third and one, and he rips off like a 20-yard run. You know, so I think that's going to really bulk up these numbers. So I think, I think they're going to be the best uh, running back unit in the league. I'll say that.
1: I, I thought we said uh, bold predictions
0: uh it's still pretty bold
1: <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding but but yeah all
0: right desmond gonna win the vp is
1: that what you want <laughs> no i like the pick they were really good running the ball last year and you know to be the kings you gotta you gotta you gotta stay the king so they reloaded running backs yeah um, I, I like i like the pick a lot i, I think this this rushing unit is going to be insane um we have we have so many changes of pace with uh, you know, Ritter – I'm sorry, not Ritter uh, – Bijan, Algier, and Patterson, each has, you know, different abilities and can be used in different ways. And I think we'll see, um, you know, some some units out there where we have two or three running backs out there, you know, Cordell in the slot – or, I'm sorry, Bijan in the slot. I mean, you can see both, honestly. And um, they're going to get super creative. I know Arthur Smith likes to have a lot of fun with formations and stuff. And um, But, yeah, I love the prediction. So they're going to lead the league in yards per carry.
0: Yep. Lead the lead in yards per carry, uh, by a good margin. I'll say it'd be a, by like a, by like maybe like over half a yard. Like they put some separation between the other teams, Heck make yeah. my take even more bold. Uh, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that's it with this Falcons preview. Um, are they going to beat the Panthers next week?
1: Absolutely. I Absolutely. So they're they're going to make the, uh, they're going to make Bryce young look, uh, look silly back there. Um, I, I think he'll be scrambling all over the place. Um, you know, I I think I think we win, and I think we cover three and a half.
0: Yep, I'm with you on that. Uh, I think Bryce Young in his first game, he's going to have a hard time of it. Um, Adam Thielen as your wideout one for a rookie, I don't know, it's going to be tough. So uh, yeah, go Falcons. You know, at well, we need to say this before we stop talking about the Falcons. We need to remind ourselves that they are the Falcons. So everything we said could just be like. We could look back on this in a few months, be like, oh my god, we were in way over our heads. Our optimism was way too much, but uh, you know, maybe things have changed. We will <laughs> don't see. tear don't tear me down
1: before the season started. Man. I'm not tearing it down. If I I'm a if fool. I
0: I could tear you down by saying um, that they're gonna suck. I didn't say <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna suck, but they could because they're the Falcons. So um, yeah, I think. This is time to uh, segue to our first ever segment, I guess. We've never done like a real segment. This will be a weekly occurrence. um, And it is essentially our good guy of the week and our bad guy of the week. And the name of these awards are the Jock Peterson Award or the Jock Peterson of the week. Either way you want to say it for our good guy of the week and uh, for the bad guy of the week. It is the Vic Beasley Award. So you have first dibs this week. We will start off with the Jock Peterson of the week, and uh, the floor is yours. Who are you picking?
1: Yes. So for the first ever Jock Peterson of the week, it's none other than the Ronald Acuna Jr. The MVP um, had a fantastic road trip, um, really showed out against uh, Mookie and the Dodgers, claiming his stake in the MVP race. Um, You know, he went into the series – as an underdog and we exit the series as the favorite. So uh, shout out to him. Uh, I know in the past two series with Colorado and the Dodgers, he went 13, 32. That's a four Oh six average, by the way, with four homers and 11 RBIs. Um, He's the man. He showed everybody. He's the man. And uh, did I mention the man got married Thursday morning? So um, what a week. What a week. He's my Jock Peterson of the week.
0: Yes, that is a well-deserved Jock of the week for sure. Um, Yeah, Ronald wasn't saying I I have him in Mookie's numbers um, compared for uh, the series with the Dodgers. He had three homers. Mookie had two. He had six RBIs. Mookie had five. They both had two walks. Ronald stole two bases. Mookie stole none. Ronald uh, had a 1.362 OPS. Mookie had a 1.145 OPS. Um, Mookie was really good in the series too. They were both awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, Ronald did overtake him at MVP odds. He is now a minus 190 favorite. That is um implied odds of 65%. So as of right now, if you're looking at it, percent wise, 65% for Ronald to be the National League MVP. It's not bad. And he got married, all kind of good stuff. That is a great, great inaugural jock of the week. And uh yeah, it's my turn. Got a little butterflies in my stomach for my first jock of the week here. And I'm going to go with Max Freed. Max Freed was incredible against the Dodgers in game two. Went seven shutout innings, uh, 10 strikeouts, which was a season high. And uh, yeah, he, he was great. And I got some uh, numbers of his stats against the Dodgers over the past few years um, since, the charge, since the start of 2021. He started five games against the Dodgers. He's pitched 32.2 innings, and he's only given up five earned runs. That's a 1-4-0 ERA, and he also had 40 strikeouts over that span. So he kind of owns the Dodgers, and, uh, and two of those starts, two of the um, two of them have been in L.A., and both of them have been seven shutout. So that's pretty crazy. So oh. I, I think he's on a 14-inning uh, scoreless streak in, in Dodger Stadium. So yeah, Max Fried is that guy thousand the best start of the season up to this point um and his numbers in the year are also awesome. Max Fried has been worth over two war in eleven starts so he's <laughs> uh he's been pretty silly. I don't think he's been been getting talked about enough um you know he's only made eleven starts because of the injury, but you know he looks ready to go for this playoff run he's striking guys out at the highest rate of his career really and uh yeah, Max Fried looks incredible
1: yeah fantastic pick Um, ever since we got him back uh, Charlie Morton has calmed down Strider's calmed down just the whole rotation in general has been much much better Um, and and he's cementing himself as um, a very honorable Jock Peterson of the week
0: he is he is indeed so uh, now it's time to move on to the uh, negative portion of this award ceremony and that is the Vic Beasley of the week um, you got first dibs again, so who is, uh, who's your Vic of the week? Actually, I shouldn't say Vic of the week because people might think we're talking about Michael Vic. Vic Beasley of the week. <laughs> <laughs> you say again, his anything. full name when you talk about Vic the Vic Beasley there. Jr., number 44, <laughs> 2016 sacks leader, and then did nothing else. Who is your Vic Beasley of the week?
1: <laughs> My Vic Beasley of the week happened on Monday night, August 28th, against the Colorado Rockies. Mm, um, I see
0: where this is going. <laughs>
1: it's actually two guys as my Vic Beasley's of the week, we had two fans rush onto the field in the bottom of the seventh inning and tackle Ronald Acuna in the outfield. Just, uh, just unbelievable stuff going on. Um, excellent security um, from the Rockies organization. <laughs> um, you know, two guys leaping over the fence, running out. And, you know, one, one guy was just like super hype, taking pictures with Ronald, you know, everything's fine. I get that. That happens in, you know, football matches all the time with Ronaldo, Messi, and all this. But then you have another fool run from nowhere and flat-out tackle Acuna. Um, thankfully, he's okay. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that could have turned out much worse, and I just don't understand what the security was doing. They were just, like – they were just hugging the guy that was on Acuna. I, I don't – but my Vic Beasley of the Week um, – and, and, and I have to mention, those two guys were uh, charged and arrested with trespassing and peace, uh something... disturbing the peace. Disturbing the peace. Yeah, yeah. Disturbing yeah. the peace. So yeah, bury those guys underneath the jail <laughs> where they belong. And uh that's my Vic Bees of the Week.
0: That is a great one. That was um not a good situation at all. Uh the security guard pretty much tabletop Ronald when um the other guy came in for the hug and put Ronald on his back, which is nothing you ever want to see. I mean like, if Acuna gets hurt there, it is like the worst thing ever, really. It's bad to begin with. And I'm glad we can kind of laugh about it now because Acuna was fine and him himself was laughing about it moments after it happened, really. He didn't seem to be too phased by it at all. I think even after that happened, he had a basis clearing double. So, um, was not shaken up at all. It's a mosquito flying in my face. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah that was bad security guards were uh not sure what was going on with them um Cooper's field security needs uh new management I guess but yeah that was that was bad I, I don't understand uh how something like that can happen but uh yeah shout out to Ronald and not a shout out to those two guys they are probably not in prison or not in jail anymore but they definitely have some hefty fines coming their way probably a lot of community service also so yeah. Good Vic Beasley, good Vic Beasley of the week. Uh for my Vic Beasley of the week, this is tough. You took the good one. Um because it's tough to pick a player because the Braves played very well this week. Um my Vic Beasley of the week is going to be and this pains me to do this, but it's a little tough love. I'm not worried about this guy, but I'm going to go with Eddie Rosario. Eddie is a Dodger killer, we all know this, and he did not do that this weekend. Um But it's okay, because I'm just going to assume he's saving all this for October. But in this series against the Dodgers, his numbers go as followed. Uh, He went one for 13 with uh, one single. They have an RBI, but uh, batted 77 200 on base, and 77 slug. So he was not good at all against the Dodgers. Um, Yeah, Eddie, come on, man, for Dodger killer. He uh he had been great up until then, so not worried about Eddie at all. But uh, yeah, has someone had to be it? Someone had to get picked. So, yeah, Eddie Rosario, my first ever Vic Beasley of the week.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of interesting. Um, he usually destroys the NL West. Um, you know he 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 had definitely had a rough week. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to cut him too much slack. But he does deserve it. He does deserve. It. He's got to pick it up. Um, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. He'll he'll be back. The Eddie chance will be flowing in Atlanta this week. Um, not worried about it at all.
0: No, and I, there is a thing going on with Eddie this year, too. It's kind of funny. Let me pull it up. His um, his month-by-month <laughs> splits are pretty funny if you uh, take a look at him. I'm pulling them up right now. Uh, Yeah, so since June, he's really been one good month, one bad <laughs> month. In June, he had a 1.115 OPS. In July he had a 4.99 OPS. In August he had a 9.42 OPS, and now so far only three games into September, but at 3.84, so if um you believe in patterns or anything like that, he's going to be terrible this month, but have an MVP like October.
1: I'll take that. I will absolutely take that. And like
0: with like how Eddie Rosario's career has gone to this point, it would not surprise me if he actually did that. (laughs) That's just something he would do. Um, There's really no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, Eddie Rosario is a very random baseball player, (laughs) but his numbers in the year are still good. He's still above average hitter and all that. Um, But yeah, Eddie Rosario not good over the weekend in LA. So Uh, one last thing before we go out of here, we did not mention this guy. Uh, during the brace portion, but Marcelo Zuna has just continued to rake. So we just got to, at least got to throw that in there. He's got an 885 OPS, which is just um insane to think about with the way he started the season. So just got to throw him in there real quick. Marcelo Zuna has been one of the best heroes in baseball over the past four months. So, yeah, yeah I think only, I think I saw the stat only Mookie, Freddie, Otani, and Acuna have been better. And those are pff, Maybe the four best players in baseball, so not bad company for Ozuna from the Braves.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy the year he's having. Um, you, you never would have thought he was batting 120 two months into the season. I mean, yeah. just unbelievable stuff. And at one point, he literally went up to Brian Snicker and and tried to retire, like he 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 was done. Like he he just, but but they kept him. Uh, they told him that you know his time will come, and um, they never gave up on him, which was you know. They were really are at the time, but they never gave up on him. They ran him out there. And what do you know? He's turning around. Uh, just shows that, uh, you know, a team believing in you and, and you coming through it, you know, things can turn for the better. Um, you know, he's really changing his reputation. I think he's cleaned up a lot. Um, we, we know the clubhouse loves him, Um, and, and the fans are, are turning back and, and everybody loves the big bear now. So, um, you know, really good, really good for him. Um, He's been unbelievable, 885 OPS. I mean, if he finishes the year with a 900 OPS, he, he would have been the MVP had he done that the first two months. Like, he he'd right there in the race. Like, I mean, yeah. he's ridiculous. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, his April, um, he had a 085 batting average and a, 20, or a 397 OPS, and then since then he has been crazy good. So, yeah, he's out to a hot start in September, too. He's batted 400 in these three games. So, yeah. Shout out to him, um, Ozuna. Kind of got left out earlier, but he's it been really good. So I uh, i think we covered it all, Evan. Uh, this time next week, we will be talking about Falcons football. We will have a game to talk about. So many possibilities for Jock Peterson's and Vic Beasley's next week. Uh, we'll see how that game goes and uh, this Braves week coming up. I know they got uh, Cardinals and Pirates at home. Pretty easy stretch for them. You know, they don't really need it, but, you know, got a got ways to go. I think we're really going to get into some dog days with the Braves here as. I don't think we're going to have another exciting day really until they win the division. <laughs> Nothing's really going to give me get us fired up I think until then. So uh yeah, Braves are good. We'll see if the Falcons are. We will see a week from now we'll have uh, at least some kind of inkling. So um yeah, if you made it this far listening, we really really appreciate it and we will see you next week with another episode.